Okay, well, um, I'm going to begin in a similar way that James and Simone didn't get you to participate, but I want you to stand up. I know you just sat down, but stand up. And I promise not to shame you. Okay, so I did one of these the other day in one of the talks and got really confused and sat down or stood up when I shouldn't have. So let me try and explain it clearly for people like me. I want you to sit down if this morning you have checked Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, any of the social media platforms. Sit down if you have checked it. Okay, it's 10.30 in the morning, you guys have checked it. Now, among you who are still standing, sit down if you are not on Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, any kind of social media. You're not on it. You don't, you're not connected to it, so sit down. All right, my wife's standing, well done. <laughs> Did you know I was giving this talk and say so you didn't check it this morning like you normally do? Okay, well, well, I'm impressed. Sit down, because you've, you've probably had a bunch of young kids to get ready and get out the door and no time for that stuff, right? So what is the first thing that you do when you wake up? You know, your eyes open, you yawn, you kind of groan, maybe you bash the alarm, you hit snooze, but then what? What's the first thing that you do? Okay, that's a bit personal. <laughs> if you are within the age of 18 and 44, then statistically... of us, the first thing that we do is grab the phone and flick through the feed, catching up on all the things that we've missed out on in the last six, eight hours, because that was the last thing that we did before we went to bed, right? Now, it's even more extreme than that. If you are to be aged between 18 and 24, another study has found that 50% of these people are waking up through the night to check their feeds. 50%, which means... They're not actually even sleeping. They're not even getting into a deep sleep. What's going on here? What is this? FOMO. FOMO. Now, FOMO is a new acronym, a new word that's been added to the dictionary recently, which says this, it's an anxiety that an exciting or interesting event may currently be happening elsewhere, often aroused by posts seen on social media. Now, um, that, that talk just we had was great, really helpful. Um, the secret to cyber parenting is the parenting. And uh, I've got some kind of similar things to consider with us, but particularly for us, you, maybe the parents themselves. And so I do want to consider the place of social media in FOMO in a minute, but we can get FOMO for a whole bunch of reasons. One of them is just so much choice. Yeah, we just... We just live with so much choice around us. Um, I had an example of this on a holiday recently where um, I took my kids into a $2 shop to spend the $2 coin that Grandpa had given each kid to spend on the holiday, right? And so um, I got four kids, but um, two boys, and one of them just walked in, saw the first thing on the shelf, sweet, bouncy ball, two bucks, let's go. The other son, wow, you know... In theory, he can buy every single item in this store, right? It's a $2 shop. And so he's going, yeah, that's cool, but oh, but what about that one? Oh, but that's even better. And so I just watched him, you know, yeah, okay, mate, take your time. And I watched his anxiety grow and grow and grow. And my patience dropped and dropped and dropped. So that about half an hour later, he's on the floor just rocking and crying. I just don't know what to choose. 
FOMO. He could have had a choice of one or two awesome things, off we go. Too much choice is a cause of it. Um, But I want to consider FOMO, particularly as it relates to experiences and connections. Our experiences and connections. So here's some of the ways it might look. Um, So maybe a couple of weeks ago, you were sitting at home on your couch having a boring night and your Facebook feed was clogged up with pictures like this, the Coldplay show, right? All your friends out there just going, this is awesome, have a look at this. Um, There's me right there with that armband. And you totally did miss out, by the way, if you weren't there. It was awesome. But you go, oh, I'm missing out on that experience. Um, It happens on holidays, right? Uh, It's Monday morning, you know, you're back to the daily grind, you're in the office, you're having your lunch at your desk and you flick on and you see there's your best friend holding the Eiffel Tower in her fingers. Oh, FOMO, I wish I was there. Or another friend, she's at the beach, you know, look at her, making sure she gets that photo of the tan legs in the shot, you know, and you've got FOMO, I want to be there. But actually, you can even be on holidays at the beach and have FOMO, why? Because this was me just a couple of weeks ago. I was at holiday, on holidays at the beach, and I had FOMO. Why? Because there was a family over there, and their kids were laughing and playing, and mine were tantruming over here. <laughs> and that family, they just walked from that beachfront house right there to the sand, and I had to drive five minutes to get to the beach, right? I got FOMO. I'm, I'm legit going, oh, I'm missing out on that. Could be way better. Um, another cause of FOMO, um, let me call it maybe his parents, FUKMO. A fear of our kids missing out. And so we've got them signed up to a sporting team, to a music lesson, to a dance class. And so when you multiply that by two, three, four, six in the case of our friends earlier, we end up with our after-school activities, our weekends, absolutely manic. And this, this kind of thinking that, well, just I don't want to miss out, I don't want my kid to miss out, and I'll just add more and more and more, surely that'll be the big fulfilling life just leads to exhaustion, to weariness. Now, another effect of FOMO is felt in our relationships. So a weird thing happens with FOMO, and it's not that we, um, just, it's not that we want to be happy, we want to be happier. So that um, studies have been done on friends in this kind of millennial generation connected in, and they're finding that their friendships are not lasting or going as deep, not because there's anything necessarily wrong, but they worry that over there that friendship circle could be better, which of course is not going to invest and deepen relationships. So much so now that we have um, people getting a divorce or breaking up, not because they're unhappy in this relationship, but because I think I'll be happier with that one. There's this fear that I am missing out on something better. Even though I might have some really good things around me, oh, it's not cutting it, it's not doing it. Surely it's over there and I go chase it. So this pursuit of the better, fuller life that is fueled by FOMO becomes actually a very wearying life, a life that can actually leave a lot of pain in its wake. It's tiring as we chase after this elusive pursuit of contentment of the experience and the connection that is enough, that I can rest in, that I can enjoy, we keep chasing it. Now, this happens in all sorts of ways and um, you might be recognising that this is just an age-old problem of discontentment, but it really has been fuelled by social media. Since we have access all the time, the first thing we do when we wake up, go to bed, to have this insight 
into these wonderful lives that everyone else is having, their moments, their connections, and just, oh, I don't like where I'm at. I wish I had that. So what can we do to fight back against FOMO? Well, I want to give you a bunch of um, strategies that you might want to consider, but I want to call them Band-Aid strategies. They're not actually going to deal with the root problem that's going on. I want to come to suggest what that is. But firstly, a bunch of things that we can do. They're not rocket science. The first one is own it. It's the first step we're dealing with any hang-up and habit um, to not deny, but to own the fact that I'm actually on my phone and experiencing FOMO, going, oh, I wish I had that, I wish I had that. Just acknowledging that I'm struggling with that insecurity to myself or maybe to a good friend can actually be a very healthy part of working and tackling the problem. Secondly, not rocket science, but turn it off or maybe move it. Um, I've attempted to work certain rhythms into my life and one of them has been to have one day off a week where I'm um, off from the normal work that I'm doing, away from the normal commitments, responsibilities and to just attempt to rest with four young kids and um, it's usually pretty stressful. But one of the things that I do in that day is I turn off my phone and uh, it's amazing, the first couple of hours, I'm, I'm reaching for it, right? There it is, it's right there. It's just that reflex, isn't it? You just grab it and you're flicking through it and it's not there. And it's like a little kind of edgy kind of moments. But then after a little while, it's like, oh, I can breathe again. And I'm not stressing about those status updates. I'm not worrying about the experiences that other people are posting about. And I just want to be intentional about the experience that I'm having right now. Engaging with the things that I can see and taste and touch and, of course, the people that I really can connect with in real life right now. Turning it off. I'm not saying go Amish, you know, go live in a community, ditch it, but just think about a day where you turn it off. You'll be like, you're an addict, right? You'll be like, oh, jittery, but try it. See what happens after a day of doing it, how good it can be. Um, Try moving it. Um, Of course, most of us have it right next to our um, bed. We use it as an alarm. It's the first thing we grab or put um, down when we go to bed. Um, You've probably got, what, 40, 50 other PowerPoints in the house in other rooms. You can charge your phone in other rooms. Um, There are alarm clocks that still are available. Um, I've got a bunch of young kids. I don't need an alarm. They're just up. Try moving it. Just just get it out of reach. And where you would have grabbed it, put something else there maybe, Um, something to read. If you're too bleary, just get up and get to the morning routine. But of course, the things that we do at the same time every day reinforce the behaviours, the habits. So just moving it, get out of the way, can be a helpful thing. Thirdly, think about the difference between connection and interruption. Um, So lest you think that I'm saying social media is a great evil and you've got to get rid of it. No, no, no. Like we said earlier, it's, it's neither good or bad, but the way that we use it can be. Um, But think about how I can use this technology, this platform, as a real tool for real connection. Um, So there's great ways that social media really does facilitate connection. So you might be organising a hangout um, down at the beach, at a park, whatever, there's a bunch of people, so that I really can get together and relate and connect and have great experiences. Awesome. Of course, it's wonderful to connect people, loved ones, separated by distance, um, kind of 
fuel and foster connection where I couldn't otherwise see. Fantastic. There's some really good ways that we can use it. But then think about the difference between that and interruption. Actually, this is just interrupting me from real experience and real connection that I have around me. I was talking to a woman yesterday who said she was at her Christmas lunch surrounded by family that she happens to get on with, which um, doesn't always happen at Christmas lunch. But she had posted a Merry Christmas post to all of her Facebook friends and found herself through the whole lunch just checking to see whether people had liked it, people had updated. And they hadn't. And she's feeling really sad. And she said, but here I am surrounded by my family. Think about the difference between connection, use it, be intentional, but interruption. Fourthly, this is to do with our thinking and really our maturity. Um, You know that song, I think it was in the Lego movie a couple of years ago, everything is awesome, everything's cool. Everything is not awesome. That is the real world. Everything is not awesome all of the time, which of course is the message that is being put out there to us and to our kids But if we buy that, if we swallow that hook, line and sinker, no wonder we've got FOMO because my my experience of life is not matching up to the one that's promoted and promised out there. The real world is not awesome all the time. That's reality. Grow up, people, and own that. And remember that much of life is actually full of the mundane and the ordinary. And the problem with FOMO is it actually means we can miss out on the beauty and the satisfaction even in the mundane, in the ordinary. And I know I'm looking at a lot of mothers here. It's a hard slog. It is ordinary. It is mundane. It is smelly. It is boring. It is thankless. But don't miss out on the beauty even of, wow, I got a child, of, wow, what a privilege it is to be impacting, influencing, raising another person. Um, Everything is not awesome all the time. And if we buy that line that, by the way, the Facebook and Instagram and all the social media tech companies are banking on us to buy, we're just suckers. We're just suckers. We know that the posts that we look at from other people are heavily filtered. It's not real life. And they're just the cherry-picked best moments. Why do you know that? Because you do it. (laughs) Because we do it, right? We know that that's not reality. In fact, I love a line from someone who says, jealousy is the fun you think they had. (laughs) Jealousy is the fun you think they had. Everyone's life is full of the mundane, the ordinary, the boring, and the pain, and the mess. Own that. Don't fear that you're missing out on someone's perfect life. We all live in the same world. Okay, fifthly, um, say no. Say no. FOMO makes us yes people. Yes, I will sign myself, my kids, my family up to that. Yes, we'll be at that party even though we're dog-tired because I fear that I'll miss out on being invited back and the connection from it. Yes, 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 as though the more I say yes to, surely my life will be fuller and more fulfilled. But actually, it makes us weary, exhausted, frustrated, Learn to say no. Um, This is a really simple piece of wisdom, but when I got it, I've been um, profoundly helped by it. It's that whenever we say yes to something, we are saying no to something else. That's part of growing up in our thinking, living in the real world. We say yes to something, we are saying no to something else. So we think about the impacts of our decisions, 
no can actually be a very good thing to say sometimes, can actually be part of fulfillment and health. So there you go, there's a bunch of things that you might want to attempt, you might want to try, um, and they might help to a point, but I want to suggest only to a point that they're actually not going to deal with the root issue. And I want to um, just finish by suggesting what Jesus offers that actually does get to the root issue. Um, See, what Jesus rocks up and does is says, hey, you know how you're continually longing for more? You know how that experience is never enough, even though it's new, it gets old, it's new, it gets old. You know how those connections, they're good, but you're still longing for more, you're still chasing, you're still chasing. What he says is, you are hungry and you are thirsty. And of course, for us, in our context, we've got more food than we need, we've got plumbing into our homes. Jesus is picking up on our physical experience of hunger and thirst to point to our spiritual reality and need. That is, he's saying, we are more than just a bunch of atoms held together in flesh and bone. We have an unseen dimension. You get that, don't you? You get that there's more to you. There's more than just a bunch of random chemical things happening in your brain. You have a soul. You have a spirit, an unseen dimension. And Jesus says, it too has needs. And the fact that we have FOMO, it's an expression of our spiritual hunger and thirst. And so he picks up on that to say these words, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. And whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. And of course, he's not thinking of himself as a fluffy white loaf or a bowl of H2O. He's going, I have something that is going to satisfy that inner hunger and thirst, which is expressing itself in all sorts of ways, FOMO being one of them. He's not saying, look, here's a bunch of five tips to try and it'll go away. He's not saying, hey, go join this club or buy that self-help book. This is what he does say to get this, to satisfy this hunger and thirst. He says, come to me, come, come to me, all you who are wearied and burdened. Wearied of that new experience getting old and not satisfying. Weary of that connection breaking and disappointing. Weary of chasing the good life but never actually landing on it. He says, you're weary of that? Come to me and I will give you rest for your souls. I will give you a contentment deep within. I will give you a rest and a peace and a settled way to live that all the good things that we're wishing we had won't satisfy. I was chatting to one of you just at the break, and it was awesome to hear your story, not always a follower of Jesus. And um, she was telling me that she had a bunch of kids, and then she thought, well, even though I've got a whole bunch of kids, I want to have a whole bunch more. I'm like, why would you do that? But I want more and more and more. And, and she said, well, it was because before I worked out that I was trying to fill a hole in my life with something that no one other than Jesus could fill. And she came to find this thing that Jesus is offering and worked out that, see, this is classic among us kind of middle-aged people, right? Let me take the middle-aged woman. Maybe you had that dream of that guy you were going to marry, that family you were going to have, that dream life you were going to have. And guess what? A lot of it's come true. You found him. But he's got older and tired and bald and chubby and he's just not as fun anymore. You've had all those kids and now you've got all those kids and it's hard work and they're frustrating. And oh, I've got that great house I live in. But uh, 
It was great to hear this story of this woman who said, yeah, yeah, I was just, family was going to do it for me. Then I realized, nah. That's big shoes to ask a partner or a kid to play the role of God, isn't it? To live up to that expectation. That's what Jesus is saying. We'll keep chasing something, but only he can offer it. Jesus offers a, a contentment that he's going to endure even when life sucks. This is the, the, the unique thing about it. And so let me finish with an illustration about this with a true story. Um, these are, it's a true story from about 200 years ago, long before social media. Um, it's in England. And these are the words of a Christian pastor there. He says, I was having a talk with a man who was young, rich, and in the enjoyment of every good thing this world could give him, and who maintained that religion was a melancholy thing, a sad thing, a flat thing. I cannot stand your Christian people, he said. Their religion does not make them cheerful or agreeable, and they're always in trouble, moaning and groaning and complaining. Come along with me, my friend, said the Christian pastor. We will visit one of your complaining Christians. So I took him to a wretched, cold, damp dwelling where there sat a poor old woman doubled up with rheumatism and groaning with the pain. Oh, she said, it's so bad and it never gets any better. Could you imagine if this woman did have an iPhone? The FOMO that she would have as she looked out into this world of these happy, healthy people um, with people around them, and here she sits on her own, bad health. Well, this, um, this pastor said to her, look at this young man. He's rich, he's healthy and strong, and he's got every pleasure that earth can give him, and he is without God in the world. Tell me now, would you change with him? She looked at him and went, change? With him? What the heck? She's missed out on all these experiences that he's had, these connections that he's got, this health. And she's going, no, no way. No way. Here is a woman who had taken Jesus up on his invitation to come to him and to have her deepest longings satisfied. Even though she's missed out on lots of things, she had no fear that she had missed out on the greatest thing of knowing her God, of being loved tenderly by her God, not for who she is, but in spite of who she is. This, this is part of the joy, the contentment, the settlement that Jesus has to offer those who would take him up on his invitation to come to him and to not have to fear that they're missing out but actually find the answer to our deepest longings of our soul. I'm going to leave it there and um, just encourage you to investigate the claims of this Jesus further. Um, we've been asked, what's the relevance of all this stuff? <laughs> right there. Um, this is a weary community. We've got all the toys, we've got all the new experiences, and yet I find it extremely bizarre that we are in, our country is in the greatest prosperity ever, 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 ever in human history. And our rates of depression are greatest ever. So that the time of greatest prosperity and wealth and experience ever, connectedness ever, has led to the greatest sadness ever. <laughs> Guys, don't you think we would have figured out that 
that um, possessions and experience were the answer by now if they were. We don't want to be a fool and just keep chasing after us. Like, well, it's just because I don't have enough. Or it's not. No, 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 no. Jesus says, come to me. I want to encourage you to do that. There's a bunch of ways that you can. You've heard about them. I'll leave it to Chris to tell you a bit more. Catch up.